Throughout history, the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed many people's lives, and it continues to change many lives today. Now, there are many effective ways and techniques people have used to share the gospel. But when we teach the gospel to other Christians, especially our youth, we need to be teaching the full context of the gospel message. By teaching the full context, we can show the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It will take us from the creation all the way to the cross. By teaching the full context, it will better prepare us to answer such questions as, why did Jesus Christ have to suffer and die on the cross? What do we need to be saved from? Why is there death and suffering? Who is God? And why creation is an important topic for Christians to understand. Now, the word gospel does mean good news, and we tend to teach the good news. But there's also a bad news portion of the gospel. In order to understand and appreciate the good news, we must know and understand the bad news. So we will start our teaching of the gospel with a very familiar passage called John 3.16, where it states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, most Christians are familiar with John 3.16, but what about the next verse, John 3.17, where we read, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The key word here is saved. What do we need to be saved from? Why do we need to be saved? To answer these questions, we must go back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1.1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. From this we see that God is the creator of all things. Therefore, He owns all of creation. He is in control. It is why we call Him Lord. He sets the standards for how we are to live. In Genesis 1.31, we read about a perfect beginning. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God proclaims His creation perfect, meaning nothing is wrong, no death, no corruption. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, God gives Adam and Eve one warning. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The penalty will be death. What do Adam and Eve do? They disobey God. And in Genesis 3, 6, we have the first sin, rebellion against God. Adam and Eve eat the fruit of the tree. In Genesis 3, 17 and 19, God keeps his promise. We have the beginning of death. And all of creation is cursed because of sin. We also see this in Romans 6.23a where we read, For the wages of sin is death. Both the Old and New Testament point out that sin is the cause of death. Now since God is the creator of all things, He sets the standards and not man. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 we read that His standard is we must be perfect. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Then in Romans 3.23, we read that no one is perfect, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone falls short of God's standards. We all miss the mark. Isaiah 59 verse 2 states that because of our sins, we are separated from a perfect and holy God. At this point in the gospel message, we are without hope. We all stand condemned before God. But now we turn to the good news, which begins in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, we have the first promise of victory and a Savior. This verse talks about the struggle between Satan and Christ. There is a war going on between God and all those who oppose Him. But God is in control, and He will be victorious. 
the promise of a Savior, and ultimately this victory is fulfilled in John 3.16, when God sent His only Son to suffer and die on the cross, be raised from the grave, and conquer death. We can now better understand the very core of the gospel found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. When we talk about according to the Scriptures, we're again talking about the Old Testament. You see, the Old and New Testaments are necessary for understanding the Gospel. Now, many times Jesus tells us that we are to repent. Why? The answer is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. In Romans 6.23b, we read that this salvation is a free gift. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A free gift is not automatic. We must accept it. This is a key point because many people are still choosing to reject God's free gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 teaches that our works are not good enough to pay the penalty for our sin. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God makes it clear here that we cannot earn our salvation. This is what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world. It is called do and done. Every other religion in the world requires you to do something for your salvation. The Bible teaches it's already been done. In Romans 5.8, we read that God reached out to us first and offered His Son as the perfect sacrifice and atonement for our sins, where we read, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When people say that God could not possibly forgive them because of what they have done, we need to remind them that no one is good enough, for all have sinned and all stand condemned before a perfect and holy God. But God in His love for us reached out to us first, not because of our works, but because of His mercy and grace. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we read that God's grace is big enough to cover anything we have done. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In John 14, 6, the Bible teaches that there's only one way to partake in this free gift. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We also read in Acts 4, verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Then in Romans 1, 19 and 20, we read that there are no excuses, because what we be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And finally, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we are told that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We are told we need to confess. What does that mean? We're making a promise. A promise of what? Making Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. That means we give our heart, soul, and mind over to God. And if we do that, we will be saved. Saved from what? Eternal punishment. We have just gone through the full context of the gospel message, which starts in Genesis 1-1. Without an historical, literal account of the creation message that we find in Genesis 1, we are left without a foundation for our gospel message. 
You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is indeed a life-changing message that starts with the creation, goes to the cross, all the way through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.